Welcome to the KPB Review Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis, and this is episode four of season two. It's a beautiful autumn day outside. My one window in the loft is letting in the sunshine, and it feels like all is right with the world. Well, apart from that global pandemic, of course, you might have heard something about it on the news. We've got two really interesting retailers as guests today, one kitchen, one bathroom, but both with very different backgrounds and stories. First up, we have Joe Moll from Ocean Bathrooms. They're a family business based in Dorset, but they also have a showroom in central London, and they're about to open a brand new studio in Poole near Sandbanks. So we'll hear all about planning that in lockdown. And then we have a man who needs no introduction, but I'm doing it anyway because it would be a bit weird, and that's Charlie Smallbone. His experience of managing the ups and downs of the market is huge, and of course he's now running his own Ledbury studio in Notting Hill. So we're so lucky to get his insight into the luxury premium end of the market. But first... The Tailless Media shameless plug is more shameless than usual because this very podcast has been shortlisted for a top award. Yes, the Professional Publishers Association, the PPA, the industry body for the publishing sector, runs an annual awards and we are shortlisted in Podcast of the Year. It's all very exciting. We find out if we've won on November the 18th and I've never won anything before apart from a pointless trophy. So, thank you for listening and supporting us. Please remember to subscribe via a podcast app such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Simply search KBB Review, or one word, and please rate and review us too, as that definitely helps any judges listening. OK, it's time to pay a visit to a very successful and classic family business to find out just how and why they're making a big investment in a new showroom. So, down the line, we have Joe Moll from Ocean Bathrooms. Hello, Joe. Oh, hi, Andrew. How are you doing? All right? I'm all right, sir. How are you getting on? Now, give us a clue. Where are you right now? Because you obviously have several locations, as we will come to explain. But where are you right now? I'm actually in Bridport, which is the original ocean bathrooms, but also where I live. Okay, so that's a beautiful part of the world down in Dorset there. It's a very busy time for you right now, as we'll discover. So thank you for taking a few minutes out. But let's start, for those that don't know, give us the potted history of ocean bathrooms. So Ocean Bathrooms was set up in 93 with my parents and they looked at doing design and bathroom fitting. They had a showroom which moved to where we are now in St Michael's Trading Estate, which is a 4,000 square foot showroom. From that, I joined about 14 and a half years ago to do the design supply and ended up doing a lot more design work. And um, yeah, it's um, been an interesting time, increased reports slightly and changed a lot of the displays, which we've done just recently as well. And then 2016, after a few years of working in London, I decided to set up a mini showroom in London, quite close to Clerkenwell, um, which is in the Business Design Centre, um, which went really well. We initially set it up for design supply and in-house fitting, but we also went into the commercial market. And then whilst in lockdown, we got looking at a place in Poole, which is a couple of minutes from Sandbanks. And we decided that it would be interesting to sort of replicate a London style in that area, mainly, again, focusing on the design, supply and fit side of it, which we've now got in-house fitting service and project management and also the all the trades and everything combined with a project management app. It's very much a family affair here, obviously, as many successful independent retailers are. Your dad is still technically in charge of the whole thing, isn't he, I think? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's still the current managing director of Ocean Bathrooms. My mum works there as well, and so does my brother. We'll come on to your new showroom in a, uh, in a minute. Yeah, it's a big show of confidence that by what you've planned and now are executing during the lockdown. But let, let's sort of bring us up to the present day here. How is business for you and your company right here and now? 
yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, um, the retail side obviously took a bit of a hit through COVID and everything, um, but we still stayed remote, which has worked. We've still taken on projects through remote. We actually got quite a lot of inquiries because I think people were at home getting bored and looking at their terrible bathrooms. And we decided that we'd keep that going. So we, we still do the remotes now, but we also do still open for um, in the showroom as, as well. I did have a lot of projects that were commercial contract products that were actually end up converting during COVID, which was really good. So that helped us go along. Now it seems to be more retail are coming back in and wanting to do projects and everything. And contracts are still continuing as well, which is great. So where do you think you will finish 2020 compared to, say, 2018 or 19? That's an interesting question. Um, I think we'd probably be obviously slightly down from what we think, but with a few of the projects that may come in and with the retail that are suddenly trying to push through, it might be that we actually end up being about level. Very strangely enough, we're actually up on a couple of suppliers from last year and the year before, which is a bit odd, but... (laughs) There must have been a pretty hairy time there for a couple of months during the middle of that lockdown. But what you're saying here is that enough has bounced back that actually while you may be a bit down by the end of the year, you're probably a lot further ahead than you thought you might have been, say, in May. Yeah, I think for the first two weeks, it was quite depressing and quite, what do we do? How do we change certain things? So I sort of sat down and had a look at a few different options of what we thought and spent a bit of time thinking about ideas and things. And one of them was the finance package that we can offer clients now. Also making sure that Bridport and London and Paul will be all in-house fitting service as well to offer that. Um, And also continue to do the commercial side of things as well, because I think you can't just hopefully rely on one thing. Do you think the family heritage element of the business makes you think much more long term than perhaps others might, particularly in the middle of a crisis? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, if you haven't got an attachment to it, I think you could quite easily just think, oh, well, you know, we could close it or do whatever. Whereas, you know, there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears in the last nearly 30 years, for me, 14 and a half years, and uh, been growing it to the point where you think, well, you can't just walk away from it. Or, you know, if you do decide to do that, then there's a lot that's gone from that. I think it's been interesting when I've had the time to sit there and, you know, don't always have the time to actually sit and think about some things. And uh, because I have, we've looked at a lot of different ideas and avenues that we may not have done. The finance being one of them and also the other showroom being the other. Let's go up to date here now with the showroom you're about to open. Uh, as I said, it's a big show of confidence, this that showroom down there in Poole. When did you first start planning it? A contact that I knew that's also in the same building. So it, it's a building with a couple of different showrooms inside it, a bit like the Business Design Centre, a mini version. And he let me know to say that there was a place coming available. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a look and had a look. And it's a good location, easy to get to. And we've got a few customers in that direction anyway. And also I know a guy that was quite interested in becoming project manager for us for fitting. And Sandbanks has always been an interest of, location-wise for myself. I've done quite a few bathrooms in that direction, but it's a bit like um, in London, a lot of people don't travel across the river one way or the other. A lot of people don't drive from Bournemouth to Bridport, although it's 45 minutes. Um, So making sure you're in the right location um, and easy to get to near a train station has meant that we've gained access to this showroom and quite a cool space. Actually going there tomorrow to see it nearly on completion, it's looking very cool and trendy a bit like Clark and Wales style. 
But did you ever think in, in the middle of the lockdown when you're looking at these things, oh, hang on a minute, what are we thinking here? We're thinking about in, in chucking a load of money at a new showroom at a time when uncertainty is the only certainty. Did you ever get wobbles about carrying on with the plan? We had to think, was Purport going to be enough? And was this opportunity, was this going to give us more? So I think there is a financial thing there and, and you never know what's going to happen. But at the same time, we haven't even advertised it yet. And um, we've already had people phoning up Paul and asking when they can come in, which is just amazing, really. We had two clients that actually couldn't wait for it to be open and actually drove to Bridport just to have a look. Um, and then they've been rebooked, come back into the Paul showroom in a couple of weeks. So that shows now that it probably was the right decision. <laughs> But back then, yeah, it would it was a bit worrying to think about it, but we just had to push on, you know, otherwise what would we have done? We renovated Bridport, which is another thing we've done, made sure that everything's more socially distanced and everything to make sure that if it ever happens again, that technically we can still work, which we weren't able to really because of the small like office spaces and stuff. Um, so now we've got a big presentation area at the front of the showroom, private appointment only. Um, which is doing really well because you can spend all that time with the client. Both other showrooms are appointment only as well, so we've carried the theme through. So hopefully it, it will work really well and go forward. Now, one of the things that you've got in there is a very clear extension of what you would call a traditional bathroom showroom sales. It's not just bathrooms, in other words. You've got wallpaper, you're doing curtains, blinds, you've got some AV stuff in there. You're clearly selling a lifestyle element to what you're doing, not just a bathroom element. What's the, what's the thinking behind that? From working in a few projects in London and a few down in the southwest, we've realised that the, the clients that want everything literally want everything. So... You know, I started working with someone that does lighting design and home automation, cinema rooms and everything like that. So it's quite a, an interesting adaption that we can work with. The project management side means that we can do everything from just the bathroom to, you know, if they want the extension built with the bathroom, then we can do that as well. The soft furnishings, we've got a local uh, company that um, I've been speaking to and, and they've really interested, which I'll have some more news with for uh, next month, actually, funny enough on that, but they're, they're really keen because it's the finishing the detail so that by the end of the room, it should be completely finished, painted. They want blinds, curtains, everything is covered. So there isn't a reason to go to someone else because you can do everything. Yeah, and I think that's such an interesting approach for what has always traditionally been quite a ring-fenced sector, you know, the bathroom retailers, particularly because I think a lot of bathroom studios and showrooms did spin off from a very merchant counter background. And I think this is a very obvious yet infrequently done step to offer the full service in this way. So I think it's great, particularly in an area like pool where clearly people have money and they're prepared to spend it to get what they want. Yeah, I think if they want what they want, then they will pay for it. So if you can do everything rather than say, well, you know, speak to this guy about this, speak to that guy about that and give them 10 different people to go to. If you're if you're managing the process, then it makes it work for both you and the client. Yeah, you're launching this new showroom in the next few weeks. You're opening it up there. What's your gut feeling, Joe? What's the family's feeling, I suppose, on what 2021 is going to bring for you and the wider market? What do you? What's your crystal ball telling you? <laughs> I think from the feedback that we've got from Paul already, I think it's looking very positive. And, you know, a lot of the clients like the idea of the whole package and, and service. At the moment, it looks positive. The contract side as well, which is what I've sort of been doing a bit within the background, 
that seems to be developing as well. So trying to have different strings to the bow, which means you can have more options. So if something like this does happen again, then you're not relying on just one source, I think, is where you've got to go, really, and not just hope that one thing will work. You've got to look at lots of different options. Right, so the most important question now is, though, Joe, you're planning a showroom launch at the moment. Clearly, you've got time on your hands. You've had a bad day. You come home, you flop down on the sofa, you pick up the remote control. Joe, what is your entry here into the silence of the laminates? What is your most positive feel-good movie? I'd say um, Hot Fuzz. It's uh, one of those films that you could keep watching and it always makes you laugh. <laughs> now, that's the second appearance of Simon Pegg in, in our rundown here. Uh, in a relatively short space of time, someone had Shaun of the Dead the other day, you've got Hot Fuzz, so this is going to be really interesting. <laughs> is someone going to choose the, the third film in the Cornetto trilogy? Who can tell? But that's a fantastic choice. I love that movie. Well, I think if he, if he does turn up for the third time, you should get him on the show. <laughs> that's true. And will I ask him about Mission Impossible? No, I will ask him about what bathroom he's got. Of course I will. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are, so thank you for sparing us a few minutes. It's been really interesting to see what your plans are there. It's really, really positive, really confident, and that's what we want to hear about on this podcast. So we'll catch up again soon to find out how it's all going. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Andrew. Great to be on it. Right, let's have a look at how the premium end of the market is faring at the moment. And I'm so pleased to say that we have a proper legend on the end of the line now in the shape of Charlie Smallbone. Hello, Charlie. Andy, hello. How are you doing, sir? Doing okay, actually, as things happen today. Managed to get into work without an accident, so we're all good. How do you feel about being described as a legend? Slightly embarrassed. Well, I'll call you a veteran instead. How about that? Veteran? Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> With legend. Clearly, everyone knows your name, but your relatively new business is the Lebury Studio, which people might not be as familiar with. So give us the sort of short, potted story of how you've ended up where you are. About two years ago, came up with an idea that I felt had some legs, which was using metal into kitchens and looking at a, what I hoped was quite an innovative design concept. Actually, it was slightly longer than two years ago. Now I think about it, it's amazing how time flies. I was asked by a friend of mine if I could provide them with a kitchen for a stand, a conservatory stand that, that he had at Chelsea Flower Show that year. We had about six weeks to do it. The story became that we did the work, we manned the stand, it, it all went amazingly and thought, I thought at the end of it, you know, this is too good to let go. So really, we formed the business from that. I found a studio space up in uh, Notting Hill Gate in Ledbury Mews, which is where we are now and where I am today, kitted it out over the succeeding six months and launched the business about a year and a half ago now, in um, April 2019, really, was when we hit the ground, which I have to say, at the time, seemed a fairly bizarre time to be doing this, but what with Brexit and what have you. And we, we really thought that, you know, we get through Brexit and then we'll be going. And then the pandemic hit. So, you know, yeah, it's been an interesting ride so far. What's brilliant about it, because I came along there when you first opened, and it was really great to see you very openly back doing something that you loved. That was the thing that really came across to me, was that you were doing it for the love of it more than anything else. Yes, I, th that's definitely true. The whole thing about this was to be passionate about what I'm doing. 
because that gets me out of bed in the morning and, you know, makes it all worthwhile. I was really looking to do something which was a bit different. You know, I didn't really, in all honesty, want to go back and do a painted kitchen or something. And not say that painted kitchens are, you know, I'm trying to denigrate them or in any way, shape or form. But, but it wasn't for me to be reprising something that I'd already done. I was trying to find a way forward and... As luck would have it with the with the kitchen that we did at Chelsea, it seemed to fall in a space which quite neatly defined living in kitchens and you know the interface between a living room and, and a kitchen and that felt like something that you know I could write an essay on over a few years. Yeah, I mean, I think if anyone can claim the been there, done that, when it comes to those styles of kitchens, I think it's probably you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's brilliant to see you trying something so different and so out of the norm. But look, let's um, let's bring this up to date a little bit here, because, as you say, that was about a year and a half ago. That was back when Brexit was the only thing that everyone was worried about. So, look, how is business for you right now here today? Well, business, actually, I mean, we, it's come in fits and starts. And I guess that's inevitable in a startup situation. I think we still look upon ourselves, albeit that we've been going for almost two years now. But we still feel that we're in a bit of a startup zone. I mean, I, I recently did a little bit of analysis on some sales that, uh, that we made over the last year or so. And it, it, it's apparent that the average gestation time between a, a lead coming in and the sale being in it's probably around about nine, ten months for us in this business, in the market that we're aiming for. So, you know, what tends to happen is that we don't get a huge number of leads, but we tend to sell quite a high proportion of the, the leads that we get. You know, the people that like us sort of stick with us. And the average sales size obviously is is not insignificant. So that's how sort of that's what predicates the business. You work at the ultra premium end of the market, like you say. How do you think that in general that market is faring? You know, the kind of consumers that operate at that market, are are they seeing a massive difference in their behaviour? When we set this business up, we were looking at a fairly sort of minuscule niche in this market. I guess we were looking less at big developments and those sort of things and and more uh, individual people who wanted a nice kitchen. And there still seem to be those people out there. You know, the people that, that want to do kitchens are moving house or, you know, whatever it is they're doing. They're still there, albeit maybe in smaller numbers. But what we find is that, say, the gestation period is quite prolonged. And these are major projects for people. So if, if you start something, you're going to want to finish it. That's the way this market works. People might have started a project this time last year, and they're still only maybe you know a third of the way through a building cycle. Is it too broad a statement to say that even now, people who've got money will always have money, and therefore people who want nice things will always be able to buy nice things at that level? Probably not. I mean, we built our career on that, I guess. Back in the 70s, we started our business really pretty much in the winter of discontent, you know, 78. (laughs) If it's black now, it was black then as well, I can assure you. And uh, and also, I mean, at that time, you also had, dare I say, a government which was taking probably 95p in the pound tax off high net worth individuals and high earning individuals. There, there were a lot of negatives sort of that, that could hold things back. 
but you have to get on with it. If, if you believe you've got something that you, that you like and that people are going to like it, then you know you put yourself out there and test that theory. But are they changing in any way because of what's happened? Are they more conscious of the pennies a bit more? Are they questioning the cost of things more than they were before? Yes, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, and I, I think it was it was always that that way as well. I mean, I, I don't know. I suppose there have been periods of time when people just sort of spend money willy nilly. Maybe the early noughties were a bit that way, you know, from two thousand and three onwards, maybe, and times in the nineties actually, in the dot com boom and things like that i remember people were quite keen to spend money and i think they could see that maybe kind of flowing straight through into the value of their property or whatever but i've always felt and i've always wanted to deal with people who who understand value so i don't find it insulting in any way shape or form if somebody says to me look you know that's too expensive you need to sharpen your pencil or whatever it is they say, you know. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But you, 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 if you have a relationship with the client, which I think is absolutely critical at our level of the market, you know, you have to respect people's requirements. You're a very face-to-face guy. You've built a career on that. How are you dealing with the technology changes that lockdowns and isolation have caused? We thought about it, obviously, at the start of lockdown. I mean, we were quite lucky in that we had two or three nice orders come through right about the time of the first lockdown. And then we were faced with those particular issues. People say, well, you know, I need this, that and the other appliance or whatever it is. You know, how how do I know, you know, show me what's best and things. So we've definitely modified the way that we present in terms of getting information over to people. With stone, for instance, we can do a lot with digital images of uh, slabs of stone. And where maybe in the past I might have visited a stone yard and got a sample, all of a sudden you can't do that. The same at, at every level, obviously, in the most fundamental format, which I think is w- what you're driving at in the first instance, is you know Zoom meetings with clients or you, you know that sort of thing. You, yeah, we've embraced that, and you know that's inevitable because there are a number of people, and I mean we've noticed this when lockdown finished in June, July, and more recently, in the with the sort of second spike, there are people that are kind of worried about visiting us at, at our studio here. And I mean, we, we're able, because it's a decent-sized space and there are very few of us here, we're able to operate on a socially distanced basis. But I think there's an inevitability that, that a lot more information is passed through uh, meet, through the form of Zoom meetings or by email or, you know, however it is. I mean, WhatsApp, I have a WhatsApp group on every job I run these days. And it just helps, the, it speeds the, the transfer of information. Which is very good to hear, of course. Now, stepping away from the design elements of things, put your business head on here. You are, you're an industry legend, like I say, but you are a veteran, let's put it this way, of, of economic upheavals. You've seen your fair through, you've been at the sharp end of, any, of, of many of them. What advice do you have for people here, who might, who this might be their first economic upheaval that they're going through, who run kitchen or bathroom businesses? Is, is there any advice that you can dish out? core business and business fundamentals are always the essential 
element of riding your way through a, a downturn. You know, how confident are you that your business model is the one that it needs to be? And when you, when you first set up your business, what was it that you were really trying to achieve that would set you apart from the pack? I think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously for, for us here, looking at it in our specific, the smallness of our business really works well and we have a very low overhead. So there's all those sort of things that you've just got to keep the discipline going. And I've always sort of think that in a business downturn and, you know, major issues, the major kind of cataclysm, that, that you get with like the pandemic, which was like, I mean, I remember 9-11 and back in 87, there was one Black Monday, I think, and things like that. And, and obviously in 2009, you know, the key, the key is to have the core business in decent shape as quickly as possible. I've started every business I've ever done in, in a downturn. So downtown provides opportunities, but there just tend to be different opportunities than those that are provided when everything's running along swimmingly and the sales are just rocking in. That's when you really get tested as a businessman as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you have the opportunity to, you know, your suppliers tend to want to talk to you a lot more. Maybe a landlord is happier to talk to you. You need to keep tight with people in, in a downturn. You need, to, you need to be getting your story out there, but you need to... Uh, you need to be absolutely sure that you're not kidding yourself or, you know, when you look in the mirror at night. That is a fantastic bit of insight, Charlie. Thank you so much for that. And I'm very conscious that you've got a million things to do. But as always, we need to get the most important question out of the way. OK, this is the one everyone wants to know about. We need to understand in a feature that we obviously are now calling the silence of the laminates. Charlie Smallbone, what is your most favourite feel good positive movie? A good positive movie, yeah. I mean, I had a flippant answer for this, which was Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia by Sam Pettenbach. <laughs> but I'm not sure that really works <laughs> in this one, but I might stick with that for the moment. It's not exactly It's a Wonderful Life, right? But it is whatever is the right movie for you. That's the, that's the whole point of this feature. And I think it says an awful lot about you uh, that that's the one you've chosen. If that's when you're feeling down, you want to watch that movie, that's, that's fine by me. Hey, well, look, Charlie, thank you so much for sparing us a little bit of time. It is fascinating to see what's happening at that end of the market and to hear a little bit of insight from someone who's been through a lot of these things before. Thank you so much for your time, sir, and, uh, and we'll speak again soon. Well, great talking to you, Andy. Thanks a lot. That's it for episode four of season two. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Joe at Ocean Bathrooms and Charlie Smallbone, who's Charlie Smallbone. Thank you for listening and supporting us as always. And remember to subscribe via your podcast app. Simply search KBB Review, all one word. And don't forget to leave us a nice review. See you next time.